0: Hello, Tisha. Hi, Jen. Sometimes I actually listen to our podcast, believe it or not, which is kind of weird, but sometimes I do listen to our own podcast. Is
1: it weird to like listen to our little conversations?
0: Yeah, sometimes. But like, I don't know. I have a love-hate relationship with the cheesy, hi, Jen, but like, I love it, but Uh Audience, please tell us what you think. Let us know. Do you love our cheesy
1: intros or not? (laughs) Do you listen to the intro or do you... This is a buzzy subject with some other podcasters. Yeah. Do you like the intro when we like have a little (laughs) chat here or do you not? Email us nowwhatpod at at gmail.com to let us know. Yes. Or on Facebook, Instagram
0: at the Pod.
1: Yeah. Do it. We want to know. I am tired tonight like tired like i yeah. can fall asleep right here
0: yeah i felt like earlier i was like i know what i'm going to talk about when jen and i do the intro and now i have absolutely no idea but you know that's okay
1: well because we can... last week i talked a lot about the boys going away to camp oh, Aaron, yeah, and it was a big success they had a great time Yay. They logan got on the bus without even saying goodbye to me um, Wyatt made friends instantly with Pokemon and was the last kid to get on the bus because he was too busy trading cards. So that was great and they were gone, which was great because I had my show and was like literally at this venue for 13 hours. It was a long day. Yes. It definitely, you know, I'm 45. It took me a few days to get over that. <laughs> <laughs> a run through a dress rehearsal two shows all yeah. in heels like it was a lot but it was so fun and i'm so glad i did it and i can't wait to do it again but the so boy- good. but the boys had an amazing yes, they did. time and like and learned a lot and made friends and it was really special and actually they they like really want to go back which they don't get to do But I am planning, I'm going to, once I can figure it out, I definitely want to volunteer for a weekend because I think it's really important and really, and they have people from all walks of life who, you know, come and volunteer to be buddies in the cabins with the kids. So it's really great. So we had like a really good weekend and they're still pulling this, but we didn't have our iPads all weekend every day since. And like they're pulling this whole, we didn't have our iPads all weekend because I have a pretty hard and fast rule of, like no iPads before school and no mm-hmm. iPads after seven o'clock on school nights. And they are trying to push it. And it's like Wednesday, they came back Sunday and they're like, oh, but we didn't have our iPads all weekend. It's like, I don't care. Enough of that. I don't care.
0: <laughs> so maybe our listeners don't know, but I am a teacher at the school where Jen's boys attend I've seen your boys this week and I had a conversation with Wyatt and I asked him about his weekend and if he liked camp and he was very emphatic about letting me know that according to him he ate candy all weekend just candy (laughs) like how like how was it what did you do I ate lots of candy (laughs)
1: Well then that's a perfect weekend to him.
0: Only candy.
1: <laughs> when I asked them about the food, why it goes the cake He's like I had cake for breakfast and I'm like, Okay. Yeah. He was pretty he was pretty pumped that it was like buffet style, so like you could get eat whatever you wanted what was put out. And that <sighs> was funny. And then like when your kids are put in that kind of situation it's just really interesting because like logan was like i mean they had tortillas but they did not have sour cream and cheese and salsa for them and he's like they had like turkey and lettuce and tomatoes and stuff and i'm like because sometimes people make sandwich type things like wraps (laughs) i don't make wraps like if we have tortillas we're eating tacos or burritos (laughs)
0: Right. And so that so was like he, a new experience for him. He was
1: like so like kind of perturbed and peeved about it, to be honest. And I'm like, well, honey, that's what like some people do. But like you get
0: exposed to things that other people eat or whatever. So it's a good experience. When I went to camp when I was in grade seven, mm-hmm. was it grade seven? I don't know. And there was a camp counselor who was making she would make like wonder bread with peanut butter and she put rice crispies on it. And I was oh, like, that's What? It's actually pretty good, and so I spent quite a few years as a teenager eating peanut butter and Rice Krispies sandwiches. So there's a recipe from me.
1: Well, you (laughs) want to know what that sounds like? So my favorite candy bar is not something that's readily available here, but it's my favorite at home, and it's called a Whatchamacallit. Bring me one. And a Whatchamacallit. What is it? It's peanut butter and Rice Krispies with a layer of caramel wrapped in chocolate. All right, I want one. They're good. I'm in, sold. Um, so that's what the peanut butter with the Rice Krispies, I was like, oh, that's probably good. What would make it better is if you could like put a little Nutella or like chocolate in it somehow. Mm-hmm. That would be like more like my whatchamacallit. Yeah.
0: Wonder bread, layer of Nutella, layer of peanut butter. Rice Krispies. I don't have Rice <laughs> recipes from the Now What Pod. Should we write a recipe book? <laughs> Someone might buy it. <laughs> Anyways, enjoy this episode, guys. It's so good. It's yes. so good. Yes. And we're laughing and being so ridiculous, but the episode's a little more serious and very timely, I think, um, mm-hmm. because it does deal with abortion.
1: And it's definitely, I feel like the type of abortion story that you are not accustomed to hearing. I mean, I think yeah. like you're not accustomed probably to hearing many at all. But, but it's definitely... yeah, because it took us
0: forever to find someone who wanted to talk about abortion on the podcast.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, oh, and we recorded a Patreon episode tonight, so yes, we did. You should head on over there and subscribe. It's less than your Starbucks order. Yeah. We still have merch. If you go to nowatpod.com, you can listen to the episodes. There's a little link for merch. Check it out. And please leave us a review. We like reviews. And that's free. So enjoy the episode and leave us a review and share it with your friends. Hi, I'm Jen and welcome back to the Now What Pod. And I'm
0: Tisha, thank you so much for joining us once again. We are here with Amanda Starr-Kingsley, who is a mom, a writer, a podcaster, and also a post-abortion life coach, which is why we invited her on the show. So welcome, Amanda. Welcome. Thank you, so glad
2: to be here.
1: We're glad to I have feel you. like I got my
0: cup of tea, start yeah. and
2: cozy out, ready to tell Perfect. you all the things.
0: <laughs> we are extra happy to have you because for a long time we have been wanting to have somebody on this show to talk to us about abortion because it is really common and a lot of women have had abortions and we think that you know, the conversation is important, and that so many people can relate to it. And also, we had a super hard time finding somebody who'd be willing to talk about that. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's just so timely, I feel like with what is you are, you are in the United States, we're in Canada, but especially with what is going on in the US.
2: You must just look down at us and be like, what is happening? <laughs> so-
0: Like, what is happening? Only sometimes.
1: Well, I feel like as an American myself, though, I'm seeing it from an even different lens Mm because I feel like I have even more of a vested interest because that is where I'm from. And maybe we'll move Mm -hmm. back there someday. I don't know. But also, I find that many Canadians are like, oh, thank God that's not here. And I'm like, but it could be. Yeah.
2: Like I, I mean, don't,
1: I don't I with certain things anyway, I feel like it, it doesn't necessarily have to be, it's not always that far from the realm of possibility anyway.
0: I mean, we'd like to think we're a lot better, uh-huh. you, do. But
1: do, you but we do, but
0: maybe, maybe we're Canadian. not actually. Yeah, I, I do. I mean, Canadians kind of in general. Yeah. Do you, would you, or one of you mind kind of explaining a little bit about what is going on with regard to
1: abortion laws in the U S currently? I mean I will defer to you Amanda because <laughs> I know what so I know me, but I, don't
2: I as much. politics is not my my jam I'm all about the mental emotional game but what's happening in the United States right now in I was going to say May but we're it's June 1st so in spring early summer of 2022 is that a draft was leaked from the Supreme Court. I mean, this starts way back. Well, first of all, it starts way back with Roe v. Wade yeah, 50 years ago. And pretty much since Roe v. Wade, conservatives have been like kind of plotting the, the overturn. So this has been a long, long game we're just seeing the um, reality of it now so Mm -hmm. what happened is that a draft was leaked from the supreme court which now has these conservative justices because of the last presidency and we are looking at losing legal protection as a country now some states can still protect abortion but i think actually jen might know better than i do I know right now there's like 13 states with trigger laws ready to go, which means abortion will be immediately legal. But that number, there may be others that already have that like set in place. So abortion access here is really messy. It's like very state to state variants and it's looking like it's gonna become more and more inaccessible for people, which is just, terrifying in so many ways so mm-hmm. I don't know, is that like a brief yeah, enough summary that, do you want to yeah, add anything
1: <laughs> no i think that's it i think what is really different when you're talking about access to things like abortion in canada versus the u.s because so many of those things are on regulated on a state-to-state basis is really different and while it could be different provincially like from province to province here the provinces are like bigger than the entire northeast so unless you live right on a a provincial border you don't see those differences i don't know Mm -hmm. if that makes sense i mean as in massachusetts i grew up in massachusetts and you can drive from boston to chicago in one day and you've gone through like four or five states yeah and potentially which would just not four or five different laws right (laughs) so or four or five different situations massachusetts
2: well protected and will probably be a state that a lot of people travel to but the reality of traveling for abortion care just creates so many problems yeah (laughs) so many injustices it's really I like
1: I've just been doing a lot of crying lately (laughs) it's I mean it's petrifying so yeah. How did you get into this kind of work? Cuz this is I didn't Yeah, that's a good question. So I of-
2: like you said I am a mom. I was one of those kids who knew I'd always be a mom. They kind of always obsessed with babies and pregnancy and all the things. I went to midwifery school. I had an interest in being a home birth midwife. Many many birth related interests along the way. I was a doula for a lot of years. I've attended a lot of births. So my degree was in women's studies. I just was very much in the world, but I didn't know the story personally. So I kind of identified I'm pro-choice. I support a woman's or a person's right to choose. And that's kind of where it ended until I had my three kids and I knew I was done. And I thought I had an IUD in place. It fell out. I, th- I think it was after two years. It fell out. I didn't know it fell out. Well, I have no idea when I fell out, but that was <laughs> when I learned it fell out. And I was looking at, I was in my late thirties. Like I said, I had three kids. They were like three, 10 and 13. And I did not want to have another baby. I did not. It was like strictly a lifestyle choice for me. I didn't want to put my marriage through that. I didn't want to put my family through that. I didn't mm-hmm. want to change diapers again and nurse all night and like, I was ready to do my game. So abortion became something that I was much more intimately (laughs) acquainted with. And then it really shocked me. It was kind of like very confusing how little I knew about it before it was something that I moved through on my own. And I think Mm -hmm. what was most confusing for me personally was it always felt like this very feminist empowered choice. And it was supposed to feel like I'm taking control of my life and isn't this amazing? And I'm so grateful for my care. And like all those things were true, but it was also really sad, (laughs) like really sad. Mm -hmm. Uh, For me, that was a baby. Like I'd already had three kids And when they were six weeks old, they were babies, like in my mind, you know, I'm not saying like it is a fully formed baby or but like spiritually to me. And so in my mind, I wasn't just like saying goodbye to an embryo or like or, you know. Ending the life of a fetus that didn't really look like anything. Like it was a deeply emotional experience to say no Mm -hmm. to a pregnancy. It was just something I never thought we all don't think we'll go through. (laughs) But especially being in my late thirties, all three of my kids were planned. I did have a miscarriage, you know, which was a, but my reproductive well-being up until that point was, very structured and very lucky, (laughs) really. I just got lucky. Like the birth control worked for me and the IUD (laughs) worked for me the first time. And I say now, like this IUD worked too. It's just that I was in the, you know, 1% instead of the 99%. Like it was, it worked based on statistics. It just wasn't in my favor. (laughs) So (laughs) So it definitely caught me off guard at that stage in my life. And I thought when it happened, I was pretty quick to assume it was for a reason. Like, and if it wasn't, I was going to make it a reason. I was going to turn it into something. But I just thought I would like maybe write a memoir and move on with my life. And then as I started digging deeper and deeper into my experience and noticing the gigantic hole that Mm -hmm. sat around abortion care, Mm -hmm. I felt like she came so I could do this. Like, this is her, like this is her work. And that doesn't mean I have to do it forever or that I'm like proving my abortion, right? It's just like, to me, it feels very much, it, it was a pregnancy with this work. Like this body of work came out of that. So I do kind of believe it was all spiritually led in some sense. But very unanticipated.
1: It's it's interesting. I've never um, thought about it in these terms. But when you go, I think in a lot of places, and I don't know, but you go to, you know, have an exam and and talk to somebody about having an abortion. Typically, they have to like educate you in some way on or bring up other options or talk a little bit about the before much like this whole lengthy prenatal care that a woman gets mm-hmm. and then after it's like here you go Ta-da! <laughs> and luck. it's kind of like the same but it really mirrors yeah. the experience and mm-hmm. in a way and in both cases they're rife with trauma yeah we have said so many times on this show even the most picture perfect pregnancies and deliveries have traumatic elements. Mm-hmm. And and there can be, you know, trauma that comes out of them. And I think there's this idea that with abortion because what most people think is that you're choosing this. Like, oh, you going out and got yourself knocked yes, up and not you're choosing to be sad. this. Yeah, why yes, why should you be I sad think about that this? That yeah. is
0: so key because i think that people think that women don't don't care that they're just like oh yeah i don't care whatever i'm just gonna go get an abortion this is sort of the rhetoric and like that you just move on and every woman i've ever talked to about their personal experience with abortion has talked about it being very difficult and yet nobody talks about that so It's not surprising to me that you said the kind, the feelings that you had kind of were unexpected, that you thought it was going to be this, like, I'm so empowered because that's kind of what is put out there. That's the only side of it that people are willing to maybe talk
2: about. Totally. I thought there were like two choices. I would either be really empowered or I would hate myself and regret the whole thing. I had prepared myself for the latter, like, okay, what am I going to do if I regret this? But I really did feel pretty blindsided by the middle ground, which sounds ridiculous to say now, because like, of course it wasn't either extreme binary, of course it was the middle, of course it was all the things, of course it was all the feelings.
1: But when that's all you see. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. No yeah. matter
1: how educated you know you are, or how much you may know about, like really the spectrum of how we can feel joy and grief and all of the things all at once and all of that, I feel like when you literally the only options you see are A or B, it's really hard to think that there's anything in the middle,
0: yeah,
1: or to yeah. really recognize anyway.
0: And you can feel both of those things. Like it's A and mm-hmm. B. It's not yeah. A or B, but yeah. it's A yes. and B and everything in between. <laughs> exactly. Yes. I have a like
2: a t-shirt design that says relief and grief, gratitude and grievance. It's all the things. It's just, mm-hmm. there weren't, like you said, in relation to our experience with pregnancy still, there's not a lot of, you think there's a lot of resources, but there aren't. And then with abortion, there's just really, really very few. So it just was like this empty space and I like couldn't reach or, and I, my friends were all midwives and obstetricians and doulas and lactation consultants. like, I was as birthy and like reproductive as it gets. And everyone was like, yeah, sorry that happened to you.
1: Good luck. <laughs> they, they don't know fault. how to support you
0: either. Yeah. No, they had
1: no idea.
0: Well, uh, I'm, yeah. I'm
1: curious to know in that, since that was your community, what was the response? And just curious, because your story is very different, I think, than than one, it's not one that you hear ever, I think, in, in this kind of a situation, right? Like a, a woman who has had children and by all accounts has a healthy pregnancy and decides to terminate that pregnancy. Like, I think if you, in that case, it's like the baby's really sick or like there's something, mm-hmm. some health concern going on. And that doesn't sound like that was the case at all for you. You know, I'm really curious to know how that decision was received by the people who did know about it. My community was ugh, like,
2: really, I can honestly say hundred percent supportive. Like, yeah. Even people who I think did not support my decision were not rude about it. Like, and I'm talking like hundreds and hundreds of people who knew. <laughs> like my so you community didn't keep it secret. I did not. Um, I shared my story pretty early because I'm the kind of person who wants to know, like, are you really here for me or are you only here for me if I follow your rules? So I just I'm very transparent. I like share Mm -hmm. it all. I talk about it all. I learn and process in doing that. So some of it was selfish too. It's like, I have to talk about this in order to understand it. Mm -hmm. So to answer your question, like in my specific privileged example of a story, it was, I was very supported, but being supported in a, like, I hear you, I see you way is lovely, but nobody was showing me that they understood. <laughs> I remember I, I did start a memoir. I wrote about 40,000 words and never finished it. I That's a whole lot. It was a lot. I'll probably go back someday. I remember writing, you know, you get your period and you're like in the club and you have a baby and then you're in the club with the moms or you even have a miscarriage. even with my miscarriage, I felt like, okay, I'm in the club like the one in five or whatever it is. And then I had an abortion and I was like, where's the club? Like, who are the people I talked to about this? Like, Even the people who had had one that I knew did not want to talk about it. Like I had one. I had one. It was not as I kept talking more and more people would come out of the closet. People would say I had one 30 years ago. I've never told anyone but you. But there wasn't like a community of people saying, yeah, this this is what it felt like for me. This is what it looked like for me.
0: I get it. I get it there is so much stigma around it so there is and there can be so much judgment around it
1: i find it interesting though that even people who did say yes i had one weren't willing to hold space for you or have a conversation with you about it they'd never seen it modeled
2: like when one person hasn't seen a conversation modeled for them, they don't know how to navigate a stigmatized topic. They haven't heard it talked about at family dinners. They haven't heard it talked about like on car rides or even movies or like there's no modeling. So nobody Mm -hmm. knows
0: how to talk about it. And they've probably themselves never been given a safe space to talk Mm -hmm. about it. So we're all silenced about it. I think there's a lot of, too, like,
2: oh, why did you say that? Like, I boxed that up and and thought I could move on. Like, I don't, I moved on from that. Like, I'm done with that. I put that away. What will happen if she unearths it? (laughs) Like, if I start this conversation, I don't know what will happen because it's been in a pressure cooker. Yeah. And I don't know what it will look
1: like. I mean, I guess I just, I come more from a place, like in my own widow story, like I actually didn't care what I knew or what anybody else knew about or felt comfortable with when it came to my grief. So I guess I just... It's just interesting, like, because it was never modeled for me either, you know, and maybe it's just a personality thing. And maybe you and I are, are similar in that way, I guess.
2: But I think there's like a collective understanding that if you lose a partner, people feel sad about that. Like, yeah. there's like a, that kind of You're not, not going to be grief. judged for that. Yeah.
1: That kind of grief everyone
2: gets.
1: I get that. No, no, no. I guess what's interesting is when somebody discloses something and you have that common experience, it's interesting that that wouldn't have opened up more. Yeah. No, I think it's still
2: too scary because like, what if you tell someone and they judge me or I get kicked out of my church or like the, the judgment and the fear around it is so big or my new partner doesn't know. What if my kids find out? There's just like so many layers that
0: bottle it up. Yeah. And, keep and it. a lot of, a lot of secrecy. And one of the things I was thinking about as you were talking about, you know, people supporting you and saying like, that they see you and they hear you, but kind of falling short, I wondered, is that because we want to be supportive, but we don't know how, because maybe we haven't known somebody who's been open about having an abortion and open about how they felt about that. And then how do we support someone who's had an abortion when that's also never been modeled for us? Because that's something you're supposed to do privately and like just not talk about ever again
2: i can remember being on the other side of the conversation now that we're talking about it even Mm -hmm. before my own because i remember when i had an abortion kind of like scanning oh she told me she had an abortion and she told me she and like i didn't really know what to say like i i was i wasn't that supportive i mean i was like I'm here if you need anything, like the basic standard replies, but I wasn't offering story from my family or my friends or like it. Yeah. It's just like a very hush thing. And so it makes it very complicated to navigate.
0: And I think that people understand that the decision can be hard, but then they think once it's, Done, it's done and it's over. And I've had girlfriends who have had abortions and I've seen them be really struggle with that emotionally afterwards. And not just like the next day, but ongoing. Yeah. Where like maybe even a couple months later, it's still bought. Like, you know what I mean? And they probably are still carrying it with them today, even though it was 20 years ago. Yeah. I'm wondering. In terms of the decision for you, was it a complicated decision and how involved was your partner in that decision making?
2: Yeah, I have a story that I've told many times before, but we, as soon as we realized that I was probably pregnant, I took a test and we kind of took the test with the understanding, like we're not, if, if we're pregnant, we're not having this baby. Like that was kind of the trajectory of where this <laughs> going to lead. And the first test I took was negative. And we both confided in each other, like, oh, thank God. I don't know if I could have gone through with it. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I could have gone through with it either. And it was this moment of like, We knew what we were supposed to do, but it was way harder than we anticipated. So we were definitely on the same page, but there were times in the decision-making where we didn't realize we were not on the same page or like it weren't communicating as clearly as we could have been. I think for a lot of men, it can be kind of tricky. Men or partners, but it's like, I support you to do whatever you need to do and I know from working or whatever you want to do or whatever's right for your body like it's your choice and I many of the clients I work with are like I I needed him I needed them to be clearer like I needed to know what they really thought now I'm finding out 10 years later they didn't want me to have the abortion so it's like it's it's very untalked about and very <laughs> yeah. tricky to navigate, even as a super loving, committed, long-term couple. Like it was hard. I cannot imagine like new relationships. And like, there's so many other places in our life that this would have gone really differently for us. It brought us way closer together. It made us stronger It showed us a lot of things in life that we hadn't seen or weren't willing to see. We were on the same page. So it's turned out like to really pull us together, but it it's not easy to walk through. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember what your question was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, you did. I wanted to know about like the decision and if, if it was, you know, difficult between your partner or how involved he was and i think that we often teach boys or men that it is the woman's decision and that they don't have a right to say i want you to keep it or i want you to get rid of it but i can see you know knowing myself and like even in minor situations like i'm like my husband's like don't i don't care do what you want and i'm like no, but like, I, I actually want your opinion and that, you know, I'm using that example. Like when I'm like, what do you want to have for dinner on Saturday night? But like, sometimes you actually just want your partner's input. Yeah. I and wanted
2: I, so badly for him to be like, this is what we're doing. But yeah. I
1: know that if Which he takes had, the pressure off you a bit, right? <laughs> totally. If he had, I would have hated it. I think it's a little bit, I want to say almost like an overcorrection- from when Mm -hmm. men were making all of the decisions. I feel like oftentimes we end up We go from one extreme and we overcorrect in the other way. And the second, like, I think I would almost say the second that Roe v. Wade was passed, it was like, women have the right to choose. It's not Mm -hmm. couples. It's like, because the fact of the matter is, is it is a a couple thing. Like, yes, when it comes down to it, it is the woman's body and it is reproductive health. And I will Mm -hmm. support that until the day I die. But it is a couple that this happened too, right yeah when i say a couple i mean totally two people. i don't they don't they're yeah. married not necessarily it doesn't have to be any of that yeah. and obviously there are cases where that person is long gone for whatever reason but it took two people to create this mm-hmm. pregnancy
2: yeah and i really think in like if i look at my whole client body of people who and and most of the people who come to me are struggling they're they're really figure. they're trying to figure out how to make sense of all this And a large, a majority percentage of them feel like I did it for him or he made me. So like he didn't give me a choice and it's not necessarily like I'm taking you to the clinic and forcing an abortion, but they made the decision to please him. So it, Felt like their decision in some senses, but really they were making it because they knew it was what he wanted. Mm -hmm. So it moves into this people-pleasing territory, which we all have so many issues with. And ultimately through our coaching experience, it's learning how to take back your power and not make decisions for other people's feelings and say, you know, that was like, Kind of an ultimate lesson for me in people-pleasing doesn't work out. Like, it did not serve me to meet his need over my own. That's who I see struggle probably more than anyone else,
1: is when someone didn't make the decision for themselves. Yeah. Well, and it feels like, just like societally and culturally, like our value is is determined by the men around us. Yeah right and so and like you feel that and so you feel that pressure i guess if that's what they want or yeah and it gets like messy you and- or you feel like you yeah. can't do it on your own or you know or you can't live without this person if they like leave yes. you yeah. right and that's like a self-esteem thing like you only have value if you're in an attachment and like all of this stuff that makes me so there's so many
0: (laughs) so many layers
1: so many directions
2: you could go with it yeah
0: so one of the other pieces I'm wondering about is after you'd had the abortion and you were sort of surprised by some of the feelings that you had around that did you also tell people in your circle about that and like the feelings you were having around it and that you were struggling.
2: Yeah. Another story I tell a lot is I remember telling a friend, it just hurts. It just hurt so much. And mm-hmm. she said, where does it hurt? She was in therapy. I was not <laughs> was a very good. It was a really good question. And I kind of gave the obvious answer, like my throat, my heart. And then the next time I was struck by like a wave of grief, I asked myself the question. And I remember feeling like I had no arms, like my arms were gone, like they just disappeared. I was like, well, I wasn't expecting that feeling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then I remembered there was an organization in my area who I knew the founders of, I knew people who worked with them really well called Empty Arms. And it was, it was for baby and pregnancy loss. And I was like, oh my goodness, I've been working with this organization or beside them for years. And I had no idea that's where the name came from, Empty Arms. Like that's what I felt. And I ran to the website and like, searching and reading and it was not for abortion by choice only for medically necessary abortion Mm -hmm. and it was just another moment of like (laughs) oh like gut punch empty hole there's nowhere for me to go I don't belong in the club and that moment was like super defining for me in many ways but one of the ways was like wait, even my people, like my birthy pregnancy, like feminist people don't accept me. Like now I really don't belong anywhere. So mm-hmm. all that to answer the question. I did talk to some people about the emotions of it. Probably most people. <laughs> anyone, who Not everyone's <laughs> um, response was as profound as that particular friend. I think we struggle with emotions as a culture so much Yeah. that even though I was saying what I was feeling, people were like, okay, do you need anything? It's not like people weren't really having conversations. Yeah. Maybe you should talk it. to somebody. <laughs> yeah. Always. And always. Was... <laughs> Maybe you should talk
1: to somebody. It's like, I'm
2: talking to you. And it's tricky. Like the other thing about most of the clients I see is like, they have therapists or they've sought therapists and they're afraid to even tell their therapist because they don't know their personal opinions and judgments yeah. and stigma so it's it is really hard to find someone you can trust because they're not they tend not to share their personal opinion and when you go through something like this you, don't wanna be on the other side of someone who's judging you. Like, that's like the scariest thing ever. So it's hard to find people to talk to, even professionals, because it's most people are
0: not really open about their stance on abortion. And as a professional, you're really not supposed to be. As a right? therapist, like, As a therapist, <laughs> you're not gonna have it on your website, I'm pro-choice or whatever. Yeah. Um,
2: and you're not supposed to di- disclose your personal story. If a client exactly. says to you, like you're really not supposed to say I had one too. That's well, like not inside your code of yeah, whatever. You, the code of conduct or
1: whatever. <laughs> yes. <laughs> code yeah. of therapist. The code
2: <laughs> of, I have interviewed many therapists on my podcast and every, and every therapist I ever talk to. I'm like, do you know of a directory that's Abortion positive therapists, and they're like, No, that's a good idea. There should be one. I'm like, Uh huh. <laughs> Please, somebody tell me this directory exists. But well, it it's, it's, you really... got to make it. Yeah. I, I'm not in the therapy
1: world. Like, I don't, I can g- give you some coach names. <laughs> you you got to align with a the therapist who will start that, though. I
2: am. And they're all still afraid to, too. It's yeah. really complicated, it's messy. It's messy.
1: <laughs> well, I think it's one of, because it's one of those things that you know, insight is so divisive. Yes, and actually has shown to incite violence. Yeah, which is mm-hmm. so messed up.
0: I don't, I don't want to misquote, but I, I do think that there was an incident here in Toronto regarding an abortion clinic, like when I was younger, like many yeah. years ago.
1: That they're called abortion clinics too, because it's not all any of them do by the way.
0: <laughs> Some are. <laughs> right? But they, but they are. And thank you for yeah. correcting me because you're right. Yeah. That's like in regular conversation, we say abortion clinics, but like family planning does so much more. And also like here where we live, they're also not called abortion clinics because there aren't like just places you go and they only do abortions. That's yeah. Yeah. Here, this is like, here in Canada,
2: defund Planned Parenthood. And it's like, Planned Parenthood is like 2%
1: of their operating budget or something is abortion care. I mean, when I was in graduate school and too old to be on my parents' insurance, that's where I got my birth control. Uh-huh. That's where I had my internal exams. Like, that's where I had yeah. to go for all of yeah. that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's a very small percentage, yeah. Yeah, I, I wasn't even correcting you. It was just like making the broad thing that like they are referred to as that though, but they are still. It is, and and I just came out without even thinking. And so many people
0: say that and you're right, they're not, we don't really have like abortion clinics. So I don't even know, like where did that
2: term even come from? Well, there are independent
0: clinics
2: that offer primarily, but yeah, yeah. It came from politics. I'm not that
0: well-versed in how it all works here in terms of like, I don't really know where you would go.
2: Well, in Canada,
0: is abortion care.
2: It's, it's all covered by your medical care, right? Like it is. yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, so you wouldn't be paying for it out of pocket. pocket. Our laws in Canada are a little bit different than like what you have in the US. So abortions are not illegal in Canada. Obviously, you can get abortions, but it's also not a right. So it's Mm -hmm. not protected anywhere in our constitution. There's not like, there's not anything that says, abortions are legal it's more just that they're not illegal like Mm -hmm. (laughs) does that make sense so
2: yeah and I think in the states there's terms like legal illegal and then a legal which means like it's just
0: it's not really either legal or illegal Yeah, (laughs) it's like growing tomatoes right like you can grow them or you can not grow them like there's no like you just That's quite a way to, that's quite a comparison to make. I like it. (laughs) But it's like, it's not illegal.
2: It's not legal. It's just, it just did. But I do think it's really interesting how little we all know. Like, even when I found myself with this unwanted pregnancy and I knew I wanted an abortion and I was so immersed in the world of reproductive health care, I literally imagined myself like driving far away to a clinic and like like plowing my way through protesters and
0: I had no idea how to even get an abortion because nobody was really talking about that either no yeah I would go to my doctor and I guess he would refer me maybe they do them at hospitals like I I don't even know the answer but this is kind of what
1: we're not talking about so yeah. I just Googled how to get an abortion in Toronto. There is actually a clinic in Toronto that is an abortion clinic. They offer abortion and DNC services. Nice. And that's it. But you know what? They they don't even say anything about aftercare. No, most do there is no aftercare. But when this is specifically, because they even will help with DNCs after like a failed medical abortion, like complications from a failed DNC and things like that, and... It's, yeah, like nothing. Yeah.
2: And what's extra disappointing here in the States, I don't know what it's like in Canada, is there are a lot of of organizations set up pretty much exclusively (laughs) by Christian-led groups that do offer aftercare. And they appear to be very loving and supportive and talking you through it and then they'll say things like we're so glad you found us so you never make that choice again the next time this happens we'll help you have the baby so it's like very agenda based like absolutely trauma inducing care yeah but it's kind of all you can find when you start googling so it's right really hard to find like genuinely agenda-free non-judgmental care. It's, it's
0: really scary. Many years ago I interviewed because my background is in social work. So I interviewed for a place that supports teen moms Mm -hmm. and they like, they have a school and all kinds of things for teen moms, but they like during the interview process I learned that this agency was actually funded by the like the Catholic Church and that we were not or their workers were not allowed to talk about abortion so that if a a teen mom were to come there and say that she was expecting a gain or whatever you were not allowed to talk about that and I was just like okay this is not the place for me and like it seems altruistic like oh you're helping these teen moms who had babies and like you know are struggling and you're providing services and and a safe place for them to go and they can continue their education and learn about caring for their baby and like sounds so great but there is this kind of also agenda where they're like no no like keep having the babies
2: (laughs) yeah no that's that's what we call crisis pregnancy centers here in the states and they really cause a lot of harm. Mm -hmm. And if you, so I always like, whenever I get to a website, I scroll way to the bottom and it says, does not provide or refer to abortion care, or you find the name of some church, but it's really hard to read. And when you're grieving and you're overwhelmed and you're scared and none of your friends or family are talking about it, it's really easily to easy to be, I'm just going to say like tricked into leaning into that care and then yeah. finding yourself very defeated at the end of it.
1: Well, feeling even yeah. more isolated than yeah. you already were feeling, right? Yeah. Yeah. So as a result of your experience, you yeah. kind of developed this, this work that you now do. You created your own job.
2: Yeah, I um, started writing. So I just started like taking notes on everything I was feeling in the first year. And like I said, I started putting it into a book. And then a lot, it was pretty much in that year I found life coaching and I'd been to therapists before, but never had a lot of great experiences, like personally. And when I found life coaching, I was like, what is happening? (laughs) This, like, these are the tools that make sense to me, how to take Mm -hmm. care of myself and manage my mind and understand my feelings and create the things I want in my life. So it was, it was a year and a half or two years, I think, before I certified as a life coach. And even then I didn't think I would be doing abortion work. And my mentor said, okay, pick a niche and stick to it for a year. And I was like, oh, I think I'm supposed to pick abortion and stick to it for a year. And now years later, a gigantic body of work later. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going anywhere.
0: You did mention that a lot of the people that you work with have, you know, kind of felt like they're, they did it more to please their partner. But, you know, we don't often hear, I think, in the media or in TV, whatever, stories like yours of married women who have abortions after having had children. But I do think it happens a lot, actually. And I'm just wondering, in terms of like your clientele, do you find that it's often the more typical, what we think of like, oh, a young girl, she's not married, she's not ready to have children yet, has an abortion? Or do you see more women like yourself? Yeah. I don't know. It's actually
2: about 65% of people who get abortions are already parents. So it's like wow. pretty significant percentage. And, now, and that's not what we hear about. No, no, now, no. We
1: hear about rapes. We hear about teens. Absolutely. To Go clarify, ahead, though, is this yeah. abortion by choice, or uh, uh, all encompassing of abortions in general? Because you know, sometimes medical. I mean, it, I guess it's still technically by choice, but like if there's a complication in the pregnancy, or you know, or like late term abortions, yeah, doesn't take those don't into know account. What-
2: percentage of abortions are for medical reasons that's a I feel like that's a statistic I should know yeah they call that termination for medical reasons so so the fmr so that's that an entire be, community so that would not um, be included in that I think that is included in oh, that okay. statistic
1: yeah I just would be cur- curious to know you know
2: Yeah, but I I actually don't think, it's a great question. I don't know what statistic TFMR abortions are, but I don't think it's that big. So anyway, most people who have abortions are already parents. And most of the people I work with It ranges from people in their early 20s. Quite a few, I've had quite a few clients who are getting ready to have a family and they're like reflecting back on their decision in a different way. Like now I wanna bring a child in and I'm having all these feelings about the child. Mm -hmm. I said no to. I have clients who had their abortions literally decades ago but I'm gonna say most of my clients are in a relationship and have families. Yeah, it's,
0: it's, it's just interesting. And I guess I was asking because it isn't the story we typically hear, but it's not the first time that I've heard it. And there is a very popular Canadian TV show, which is on, you can get it on Netflix called yeah, Working Moms. Working. You've probably, yeah. Yeah, you've
1: probably Jen, seen it. You knew exactly where it was going. Well, I've been th- I was thinking about that from the beginning. That's yeah. mine. Yeah. hmm Yes. And
0: she decides not to have another. Yes. And I mean, if anybody's watched that show, like it's a pretty powerful scene, I think, even though it's a comedy, like the show was
1: <laughs> a comedy. Yeah, it's a dramedy.
0: It, it's a dramedy, thank you. <laughs> but it's kind of like, I don't know, it was a powerful moment. And as a mom, like with two kids, I could kind of relate to because I'm like, uh uh-huh, yeah. Like I can see why someone might be like, I'm good. Like... Mm-hmm. I've got three. Yeah. I mean,
2: and that's it's the reality is like, once you've done it, those of us who are already parents, we know the financial expense. We know the emotional expense. Mm-hmm. We know the like time expense. We know that our, like our patience, like all of it is much more real. And so making the choice is, is it's hard, but it's like,
0: really pretty clear for people like I know it's an informed choice isn't it
1: (laughs) yeah Yeah, it's even even more informed choice I'd say than if you haven't had children and in and in the U.S. you're faced with even just the expenses of a pregnancy that here is not (sighs) really a factor right Um, I just was listening to a podcast by a friend
2: and she had she had twins and you know so many families here go literally go into bankruptcy from medical care Just from medical births, Mm -hmm. NICU care, like we, it's, it's hard. Like getting medical care for a healthy pregnancy is hard. My first, I didn't have insurance with my first and her birth was like $14,000 or something. That's like just to have her and then bring her home and all the expenses. When you're living paycheck to paycheck, like, and now we're Mm -hmm. forcing people into these scenarios like
1: with offering no f- emotional support no financial support none yeah. of it I've, <laughs> I think atrocious. I've said more than once and in this show that nobody wants to see postpartum Jen again nobody wants to know her and but it's a real factor mm-hmm, that yeah. is not accounted for on top of the practical like physical yeah. financial you know yeah and the
0: idea that women who may don't want to have a child because they aren't in that financial position to do so are now going to have to figure out how to travel to another state
2: yeah. they just have that money yeah
0: get an abortion with children
2: and they most of the time have no family or friends to tell to support this like secret mission yes right states you're gonna ask somebody to watch your kids so that you what like it's, what's your story? It's tragic on so many levels. Yeah. So many yeah.
0: levels. And, and
2: now we look at our, our country and it's like, even if you get them to elementary school, they might be shot in their classroom. Like that does like the reality of parenting in this country, right? Yeah. Now. It's, it's like, terrifying.
0: It's terrifying. Yeah. And I was thinking about when we were talking earlier about how Canadians, you know, we think we're so much better. But if you remember, I was saying that in Canada, it's not a legally protect, like there's no, you don't have a right to an abortion. Mm -hmm. So it could happen here.
1: Yeah. I'm
0: not saying it is happening, but it's not out of the realm of possibility. No,
1: like it's not an active conversation the way it is. In the it's States, not but no but if it's not written into law you can just as easily make up a law that says nope it was illegal
0: up until i it, until the 80s and there was a case but the like the case kind of stopped short of saying you have a right to it the case just kind of said okay it's not illegal anymore if that yeah. makes sense and then they just stopped there because i think to actually make it a right would have been a huge political uproar, right?
1: <laughs> Why do women's bodies need to be a political thing?
0: Well
2: I was just thinking and have you ever seen regulation like this on any other body?
0: No. 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 I'm seeing a lot of, you know, posts and memes and everything around this topic coming up in my social media feed and a lot of the conversation has been around, like, how men are making these decisions about women's bodies, and I've seen some really funny things where they're just like, you know, my 27-year-old boyfriend thought that women got their periods for 15 minutes every month, Right. <laughs> or I saw one, the boyfriend thought that every woman got her period on the 15th of the month. Yep. <laughs> You know, we do a piss poor job of educating men on women's bodies and yet they're in charge of making these decisions or they're putting themselves in charge of making these decisions about our bodies when they don't know anything about them.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it's just and the, and the many, irony is not lost on me. And then to add to that, I think just in this time that of pandemic that we're living in, a lot of the people that f- it seems want to overturn Roe v. Wade also felt their rights were being violated when they were asked to wear a mask.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah.
0: How interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And that that to me is infuriating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, It's so messy. (laughs) It's so messy and so layered. Even if you don't want to get into it, like some deep conversation with somebody about having had one, it's, I feel like, the last horizon almost of like, you know, how you don't talk about money and politics at home. Maybe you talk about politics. You definitely don't talk about that. Right. Right. If,
0: I hope I'm not putting you on the spot here, but, there's no spot for me (laughs) we talked about how people just don't know how to support others when they disclose that they they've had an abortion that people do do the kind of polite let me know if there's anything i can do to support you but really if someone really wanted to offer their support what do you think they could do
2: I feel like even just saying, I've heard that sometimes people have really mixed and complicated feelings after an abortion. Mm -hmm. If that happens for you and you want to talk about it, I'm game, I'm here, I'm open.
0: And That I could see opening the door for somebody to say, yeah, you know, like I am having some mixed feelings because you're like, I've heard that people sometimes have mixed feelings. They're like, oh yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah, I like that. I mean, it's so simple, isn't it? Not all of it, but (laughs) something like that is a really tangible thing that somebody Could do and could probably apply to all kinds of situations, not just abortion. Okay.
2: Because it can get tricky really fast to say something like that must have been a hard choice. They might be like, no, it wasn't hard for me at all. (laughs) No, I knew exactly what I was doing. But to just simply state, like, I've heard people have all kinds of mixed feelings after abortions. I mean, and also just. Not expecting yourself to say or do the right thing, but keep showing up. Like, how are you still feeling? Has anything else come up for you? If, if I ever go through something like that, would you be willing to talk to me about it? Like kind of flip the, flip the script a little, like mm-hmm. open the door in as many ways as you can. But I think just knowing that it's okay to have all the feelings and none of them mean there's a problem. So if you have shame, it doesn't mean there was a problem and you made the wrong choice. If you have guilt, it doesn't mean there was a problem and you made the wrong choice. If you have grief, doesn't mean there was a problem. It all just means you're human. Like that's it. Mm -hmm. And if you kept the pregnancy, you would also have shame, guilt, grief, like all the things would have happened either way. Yeah. This is just asking you to look at it in a really
1: like firehosed way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Absolutely. How can people find you? Star is actually my
2: middle name. So I am Amanda Star Kingsley everywhere. in okay. the, I'm mostly on Instagram, but I'm on Facebook. My website is Amanda Star Kingsley. My podcast is called Speaking Light into Abortion. The book I have published right now is written more like poetry. It's like a hundred post-abortion poems
0: wow
2: but I'm pretty easy to find like we said there's not a lot of us talking about abortion mm-hmm. so you can just google Amanda abortion you'll find it
1: <laughs> and everything will be linked in the show notes. well thank you so much for taking the yeah. time to talk with us about this yes yeah.
2: thank you for having me and keep talking about all the hard stuff Oh, yeah.
0: Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Now What Pod. If you've enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. Your ratings and reviews help more people like you find our podcast.
1: Don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with someone you think would love it. You can find us on social media at the Now What Pod. Until next time, we're Tisha and Jen. Remember, your story matters and you do too.